0: Hi, I'm Josh, and welcome to the Wild Nature Photography Podcast, the podcast that talks the art, the craft, and today's the tech of nature photography. It is the 2nd of April, 2023, and this is podcast number 69, and the topic of today's podcast is going to be obviously tech-related. I'm going to talk about um, my backup strategy, how I store my photographs in my studio, how I back them up, what hardware I'm using. and sort of a little bit of my thought process behind all of that, because this is something I get asked a lot uh, via email usually, and uh, people want to know, you know, how, how are you storing and managing your images and how are you backing them up? What's the process? What's the hardware that you use? And why do you do it that way? So uh, rather than sort of answer all those in- emails individually, it makes more sense to put it all into one, into one podcast and summarize it now. I guess a little caveat to get started is that technology is moving at a very, very quick pace these days. So in order to stay up to date, that requires some fairly continual upgrading. Of course, not every month, not every week, but certainly every year or two, there's usually hardware that needs to be updated along the way. So this is going to be current as of today, being the 2nd of April 2023 but uh, will obviously need to be revisited at some point in the future because there'll be changes there'll be changes in the hardware in my studio there'll be changes in my hardware when I'm traveling and uh, this will require some updates but look as of today this is how I how I do it but just before we get into that uh, a little bit of an update on a few items I posted the photograph of the month for April 2023 to my blog yesterday the 1st of April, and it's one of the photographs of Palace Cat from my expedition to Mongolia this January in winter. One of my favourite images from that particular trip. Uh, There's just a wonderful sense of motion with the cat coming towards the camera, and uh, I love the soft grasses in the background. I love the clean snow under the cat. I'll put a link to that in the show notes if you haven't checked it out and you want to have a look at it. I please do so. Drop me a note. let me know what you think of it. For me, uh, I love it. It's one of those images where putting the subject dead center of frame really, really works. Um, I'm still up in Svalbard at the moment. It's actually snowing really, really heavily today. It's been snowing all day, and I think it was snowing most of last night as well. The conditions are really absolutely superb at the moment for photography and later today it's now about uh, two o'clock I think in the afternoon but in a couple of hours I'm going to go down I'm going to pick up a snow snow scooter uh, with my friend and um, we're going to head just out of town uh, towards the airport and look for the foxes That live there along the hillside in the mountains. I've photographed them there many times before. Uh, They can be difficult to find this time of year. They're white. Of course they blend in very well with the environment and it's snowing heavily so visibility is not great. But the conditions though are just superb. Very, very soft light and I'd love to find the fox and photograph it in this this sort of heavy snow so hopefully that will happen uh well certainly we're going to look for it uh, but hopefully we will find it late this afternoon and uh, i'll be able to get some images and then tomorrow i am heading out with my friend martin we're going out to the east coast via snowmobile to a place called Monbukta. Uh we're going to leave very very early in the morning uh, and our hope is to get out there and hopefully maybe find some bears or a polar bear uh, and if not certainly there's going to be an opportunity for some great landscape uh, work out there it's supposed to be overcast again tomorrow and snowing uh, still, so I'm hopeful that will be the case. Monbukta can be very, very hit and miss. There hasn't been a lot of sea ice this year uh, in that region. In fact, I believe it's only in the last week that anyone's actually even driven scooter out onto the sea ice down there. So we'll have to do a little bit of checking, probably take a drill with us just to test the sea ice, um, make sure it's safe. But uh, hopefully we can get out onto the sea ice a little bit and have a bit of a search around. I have not seen arctic foxes out at Monbukta before, but it is possible. Um, you never know out there what you're going to find, uh, but there can be some really superb icebergs that are frozen in place. So we'll certainly be looking for those as well. So that's just a little bit of an update on the field. Uh, actually, there's a couple of other things coming up too. I've got another two-day uh, snowmobile expedition out to the east coast in a few more days' time uh, with a client, and then I'll be boarding the ship for my Svalbard Spring Light expedition up here. So there's a lot going on up here at the moment. And uh, I'm pretty excited by all of it. So let's get into the topic of the day, though, which is uh, tech and hardware and backup strategies and, and managing photographs. I have talked about this before, but I just want to talk about it again. When I am traveling in the field, I don't do any image processing on my laptop uh, while I'm traveling. All I do while I'm in the field is download to my laptop, download to a backup SSD, and keyword my photographs. I actually don't do any processing at all in the field and the reason for that is I just find that the Apple laptop screens even the brand new XDR very expensive displays that are included in the new MacBook Pros just aren't up to the task uh, for critical color editing and for setting luminance values. Uh, I really prefer to work on a high-quality screen in my studio, so I just want to get that caveat out of the way. I'm not processing, so in many ways, the speed of the laptop that I'm working on is not critically important because I don't need that processing power. All I need to do is download the photographs, and what I do I'm currently working on the latest generation MacBook Pro 14-inch M1. Uh, I have the specs for for it here for those of you who are interested, and we can, we can talk about those in a minute. Um, in fact, let's just talk about them now. So it is, as I said, it's the Apple M1. I configured it with 64 gig of memory. Uh, I find that both... Lightroom and Photoshop are quite memory hungry, and that more is almost always better. So uh, that's how I configured it. I did also configure it with four terabytes of internal SSD storage, and that was about the only other option that um, that I had for this laptop when I was configuring it. The reason I went with four terabytes of internal storage is I find that I shoot a lot when I'm shooting wildlife, and I need a lot of storage. For those of you who are, and I'm only shooting uh, 24 megapixel files in the Canon EOS R3, for those of you who are shooting 45 megapixel files or more, you might want to consider even more storage potentially depending on how much you shoot. What I like to do when I'm in the field is I like to download the photographs at the end of the day and store them on the internal SSD on my laptop. And then I at the same time, I use Adobe Lightroom's uh copy to different location facility uh, in Lightroom and I copy them to an external OWC SSD drive and that's one of their high capacity uh, super strong SSD drives. They have quite a few of them in the uh, on their website to choose from depending on how much storage you want and how big you want it to be and all that sort of thing. I'll try and find a link to the one I have and i'll put that in in the show, show notes as well so that you can see exactly what i use and that means that my images uh, when i'm traveling are in two locations they are both stored on my laptop and they're stored on the ssd external drive which is a usb3 drive now in addition to that i don't erase the card from the day's shoot i either continue to shoot on that card until the card is full Or if the card is full, I simply change cards and put a new card in and I'll keep that card with the images on it until I get home and I know that my images are safely backed up. So in effect, when I'm traveling, I have three copies of everything that I've shot. One on the laptop, one on the SSD, and I still have the images on the original card. So it's a belt, suspender and piece of string, if you like. The other thing that I do I don't keep those three devices in the same location. So the laptop obviously lives in my laptop bag when I'm traveling. My SSD drive, that also lives in in the laptop bag, so it's always with me. But the camera cards that have been used, they live in my camera bag. So they're in a separate location. So if one bag got lost, I'd still have the original images. And just as an aside, I have an Air to Apple AirTag inside each of those bags so that I can track where those bags are at any one time. Uh, and if I do lose them, I can locate them again. So although Apple offers you that ability to find my, uh, in inverted commas, find my um, using the app on an iPhone to find your laptop or even a pair of uh, Apple um, headphones, uh, having an air tag there in the background is just an additional way for me to track that piece of luggage if it goes missing. So I I find that very, very useful. I recommend them. They're not very expensive either. And it's fantastic to have one in your checked luggage as well, just to know that if you uh, land in wherever it might be, whatever country you're traveling to, you can very quickly check if your luggage has also made it while you're standing there waiting for it at the carousel. So they're a very, very good device these days. I like to use them a lot. So, as I said, I am working on this new Apple uh, MacBook Pro when I'm traveling um, in the field. It's the 14-inch. I think the 14-inch is a real sweet spot for travel. It's not too small. It's not too large. Uh, it is it is quite a bit heavier than my old MacBook Pro. I will say that now that Apple has gone back to including a HDMI port on the MacBook um, as well as a number of USB 3 ports, and the, thankfully they've even gone back to the MagSafe power adapter, Thank God. Uh, I don't know why they ever ditched that, but thankfully we're back to that. Um, it is a little bit heavier, as I said, but I think the sweet spot is in the 14-inch model uh, and more than enough processing power to certainly do what I'm doing on the road. Uh, as I said, because I'm not processing images uh, when I'm traveling and I'm not working on video, I don't. I mean, what I have already is, is more than enough in, in terms of processing power. Now then, when I get home to my studio, that's when things get quite different. So in my studio, I am working on my primary machine that I do all of the editing on for my photographs and post-production is a Mac Pro. So it's the 2019 Mac Pro, the unit that's affectionately known as the cheese grater. Now these are, let's get the ugly side of it out of the way first. These are very expensive machines. Um, they are almost very easily configured to be north of 20,000 Australian dollars. Uh, And you can configure them a lot more than that depending on what your requirements may be. So the real benefit of these machines uh, is their customizability, is how you can upgrade them as you go through uh, as you need to, how you can add additional cards to them. They're just far more upgradable than any other Apple product on the market. And you don't need to rely on third-party plug-in um, solutions like Apple had forced onto us when they released the trash can Mac pro which I think might have been back in 2013 or something around there I think it first came out but anyway um, that with that particular Mac Pro you had no choice but to use external storage uh, which was always bandwidth limited by uh, the USB connection whereas now with the Mac Pro tower you can plug in direct PCI cards for literally blinding lightning fast speed. So that's why I decided to spend the extra money and go to a full Mac Pro. I wanted the upgradeability and I wanted that ability to make changes to the machine uh, and have in-built storage in the machine without having to have external storage all the time that's throttled by whatever that connection might be. So let's just talk about the specs and then I'll talk about the backup strategy that I have. That will be part of the specs in some ways. So. As I said, this is a highly configurable machine on Apple's website. So you can go onto apple.com, select the Mac Pro, and you can configure away to your heart's content. What I did was I did quite a lot of research into what was going to be the sweet spot for the number of cores, if you like, that were optimal for working with still images uh, and video as well because I was considering doing some video at that time. I ended up going with the 16 core, 3.2 gigahertz, uh, which has turbo boost up to 4.4. Um, that is quite an expensive upgrade option. But the reason I decided it was worth the money was it's also one of the harder upgrades to do down the track. Changing the processors is more of an advanced upgrade than just slotting in a new card. So it made sense to me to spend more money initially on actually specifying faster processors, which is what I did. Then I went for 96 gig of RAM. Uh, Again, that's an awful lot of RAM, but I find that I am someone who tends to have a lot of programs open at the same time and a lot of different windows. It's not uncommon for me to have 15 or 20 browser windows open. I can have uh, numbers, pages open. I can be running Photoshop. I can be running Lightroom. I might have Final Cut open as well. Uh, And all of those, I could have notes. I could have all sorts of things running at the same time. So I'm very RAM intensive as a user. And because of that, I decided to specify it up with 96 gig of, of RAM. Uh, I put in um, 8 terabytes of SSD storage. Uh, again, that is a lot of internal storage. But I find that um, I, again, I'm very heavy on storage. I don't delete a lot of things. I, I store them and I keep them. And I wanted to have a very large amount of base storage uh on the on the machine that i would then expand out from so i went with eight terabytes of storage and now this is where it gets kind of interesting there's quite a lot of video card options for the mac pro and as of today the 2nd of april 2023 you can spend in australia up to seventeen thousand dollars on some very very expensive dual video cards for this machine now I have no idea what sort of person needs that. I don't know whether it's for gaming or very, very high-end 3D modeling or rendering, but certainly I don't need it for what I do. Um, For what I do, I just went with a very, very base uh, Radeon Pro uh, W5700X, which has 16 gig of, of, of memory, and that has been fine for me right up until now when I originally got this machine. I am just now looking at potentially upgrading that card to something slightly faster, um, primarily because I do play with little bits of video from time to time, and it's really video that requires the faster GPU, not still images. This is more than fast enough for scrolling through many hundreds of images in Lightroom. It does the job just fine. Uh, it, it will power the uh, 4K monitor that I'm running on this machine just fine. Um, And I don't need the ability to run four, five or six or more 4K monitors uh, because I just don't have that requirement. Uh, And that's about it in terms of view of the specification. But what I then did for my storage of my Lightroom library, because my Lightroom library currently sits around about the 10 terabytes. So it's quite sizable. Uh, in terms of view of the number of photographs that are stored in there. And it's over 300,000 images now in my collection. So how do you store that? Well, what I did was I went with a product by a company called OWC, or Otherworld Computing. They make what is regarded as the world's fastest internal SSD storage for the Mac Pro. Now, this is a PCI uh, internal card that gets installed inside the Mac Pro, and it comes in a number of different sizes. I ordered a 32-terabyte card uh, card for my machine and that gives me a huge amount of storage for my Lightroom library and that card is dedicated to just storing my Lightroom images and it is instant for me to scroll through any of my photographs on that via that card because it is so fast. Uh, it's also extremely reliable. I long ago decided I did not want to use spinning drives for the main storage for my images. The main reason for that is like all hard drives, it's not a question of if they're going to fail, it's simply a question of when they're going to fail. And you can have RAID backups and all the various uh, protection that you like, but when you need to rebuild a RAID array that has 10 terabytes of data on it, be it RAID 5 or RAID 0 plus 1 or RAID 10, that's an awful long time that those drives need to be spinning at full speed to rebuild a RAID array. And that is when drives typically fail. And if you have a failure during a rebuild, then you're going to lose data. And that's not something I wanted to entertain in my own system. So I decided to go with SSD storage for my Lightroom library, internal SSD storage via OWC. And again, I'll put a link to this product in the show notes. These are not affiliate links, by the way. I'm not interested in making a sale or making a commission every time someone buys one of these products. It's, it's just not what I do. I'm simply going to include the links directly to uh, the store for those of you who are interested to check out what the products are that I'm using inside my Mac Pro. Um, yeah, and you can, you can have a look at them from there. So they as i said this card comes in a number of different options i can't remember all of them off the top of my head it might be a four terabyte eight 16 32 and i think it may even be available now as a 64 terabyte option so that's a lot of internal ssd storage Uh, that 64 terabytes is certainly more than i need for what i do 32 terabytes already gives me a lot of overhead space and overhead space is really important you really don't want to be running these drives at or near maximum capacity Uh, or you can affect their performance. So 32 terabytes with 10 terabytes, roughly 10 terabytes of storage uh, of images on that drive works extremely well for me uh, and gives me many, many years, hopefully, of the ability to add extra images to that catalogue. Then what I like to do, or what I have done, I should say, is I back that up to an external Promise RAID array. Now, this is a, originally I had this set up as a RAID 0 plus 1, so it was striped and mirrored. It has four 10-terabyte drives in it, um, but I rebuilt it recently as a RAID 5 configuration, and it simply backs up my SSD drive on a daily basis, and it does that using um, um, uh, Carbon Copy Cloner. Actually, it's not Carbon Copy Cloner. It's uh, um, the the product by a company called Shirt Pocket. I'll have to look it up. I can't remember off the top of my head now, but basically they make a program that allows the – hard drives to look at the ssd and see what has changed in the last 24 hours and update just that amount so it's not having to copy the entire 10 terabytes uh every single time an update or a change is made so i have effectively two 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 backups or sorry, two places that those images are stored in my studio and then i have a 3rd offsite backup so once a month or so perhaps once every two or three months i then take another large hard drive system um, it's an older one that I've had floating around for a while now and I do another backup onto that which I store off-site and that means that if the house was to uh, you know have some sort of catastrophe I, I have a backup uh, offsite that I can go back to and, and access. I am not using cloud storage and it's worth talking about why just for a minute. There are a couple of reasons. The first one is up until very recently Bandwidth has been extremely limited in Australia, meaning it's been very hard to get enough bandwidth to be able to upload very large amounts of data to the cloud in a reasonable time frame. Now, I'm on a very, very fast internet plan through what we call NBN, which is our broadband network in Australia. But even so, to be able to upload 10 terabytes of data requires a very long amount of time. Uh, I also have little faith uh, to be honest, in many of the cloud system storages that are out there in the field. The reason for that is there have been a number of them over the years that have suddenly closed down, taking all customers' data with it or offering the customers a very short period of time when they could get that data off the cloud. Uh, and if you need to get it off the cloud, where do you get it off the cloud and how do you store it then? So I prefer to take care of this uh, myself. Um I may look at cloud storage again in the future, but as of right now, I don't really have the requirement to access my main library of images from anywhere in the world. Uh, there have been one or two occasions when that would have been useful, but it's not something that I actually have to have at the moment. So no, I'm not, as I said, not using cloud storage at the moment, may look at it again in the future. And then in terms of view of monitors, so in my main studio, I am using a BenQ SW321C, Which is a full 4K um, Adobe RGB monitor. So, very, very high quality monitor. This is an exceptional, this monitor provides exceptional bang for the buck. I've talked about this before in podcasts. I've talked about it before, both in my blog and in presentations I've done. The performance of the BenQ is simply outstanding for the money. It has excellent uniformity, it has excellent color reproduction, it calibrates extremely well out of the box. And it's very, very stable as well. They make a number of different models depending on your budget and size requirements. In my case, I'm using the larger 321. but uh, And it works very, very well for me. I, I really recommend that if you're in the market for a new monitor, have a good look at the BenQs. I think they're exceptional for the money. And you'd go a long way to... Uh, you have to spend a lot more money to get very little better in the way of performance. And typically that performance increase that you might find in something like an Eizo is not so much about color fidelity but more to do with uniformity so that is how bright the monitor is from corner to corner and how even it is but as i said the benq sw321c is incredibly uniform from corner to corner certainly more than good enough for the sort of work that i do and in making in getting perfect screen um, print to screen matches as well so the benq really works well for me uh, and then I have the entire system sitting on a APC UPS, or Uninterruptible Power Supply. And the reason for that is, there are two reasons. One, I can continue working if I lose power. But more importantly, the UPS provides a buffer to the power. So if there's a spike or something goes wrong with the power, it's not very it's not likely to fry the computer. It's much more likely to damage my UPS. And the UPS costs a lot less than the computer. Typically, we have very, very good power in Australia. It's very clean power compared to most of the rest of the world. Uh, so spikes and anomalies are uncommon, but they do happen. Uh, and you know, if there's thunder and lightning around, it can cause those kind of issues as well. So just a little bit of extra security for me is to put my Uh, main computer onto uh, UPS backup. I only get about half an hour to 45 minutes of power out of that when I do lose power, but typically, as I said, that's not what it's for. It's really just for some added protection for the computer. There are less expensive alternatives to UPSs. You can use surge protection boards as well. These can be okay, but in my experience, they're not as good as a full dedicated UPS. Uh, and that's something I think it's worth adding to any studio system uh, if, if you're not running one at the moment. So that's that's the current state of play of my uh, backup strategy and my computer hardware uh, as of April the 2nd, 2023. As I said, the only change I'm looking to make at the moment is potentially to the video card. The main reason for that that's prompted that is there have been a number of uh, Higher-end video cards for the Mac Pro that have gone on sale because there's new models available. I might pick up one of the older models and just try and save a few bucks that way, and that makes a lot of sense to me as well. It's again, I don't really need it for the still images. It's got, and I don't game, so I have no gaming requirement needed at all. It's simply for me about uh, the potential of it doing a little bit of video editing, which I occasionally play with. Uh, I do have Final Cut installed on my Mac Pro. But to be honest, I don't use it all that often. I just, I really am a stools photographer. I prefer to be a Stills photographer, but every now and again I have the requirement to do a little bit of video work. So I think that's it for today. That pretty much covers the hardware that I'm using from a computer and IT perspective uh, and uh, what I'm doing from a backup strategy as well. Uh, I long ago, long ago moved away from Drobos. Um, I know some of you out there still using drobos Uh, the reason I moved away from drobos and again this is something I get asked quite a bit was because of the proprietary nature of the way they of their hardware and the proprietary nature of the way they deal with problems if you have an issue with drobo you really need to go back to drobo you can't go to a third party and I prefer to be a little more open than that so I'm not using drobos either okay, so let's let's wrap it up there for, for today. Uh, I'm as sorry one more thing I might just go over quickly. I may look at moving towards external SSD storage as my backup for the Mac pro in the future as well. I'm simply waiting for the prices to come down because at the moment 32 terabytes of internal SSD storage in the Mac Pro is about five and a half thousand US dollars so it's quite expensive. Um, I was happy to pay that once to store my Lightroom library. I don't want to have to pay it twice to have a backup, uh, um, next to sitting next to my Mac Pro. So hence, that's why I'm still using the Promise RAID array, which contains spinning drives at the moment. But I would like to move away from that. I would really love the backup to be on SSD as well. And hopefully that will come in the foreseeable future once SSD can comes down a little bit more in price. Uh, The storage uh, availability, as I said, is getting more and more all the time, which is fantastic. You can now get up to 64 terabytes of internal storage on a single card for the Mac Pro, and that's that's a huge amount of SSD storage. So I suspect that we'll see uh, SSD continue to come down in price and that external options for backup will be cheaper again than internal. So look forward to that as well. Uh, I may do an update on this podcast in the future if something changes, for my backup strategy or for my computer hardware. But as I said, as of today, 2nd of April, that's where it sits and stands. Okay, so I think it's just about time here to uh, start to get some cold weather clothing together. It's still snowing heavily outside. I'm really keen to get out and try and find the fox in these conditions. Hopefully get a couple of hours photographing with, um, with a fox it would be fabulous with this snow coming down. We'll see what nature turns up. All right, take care out there. It has been the 2nd of... April 2023. Podcast number 69. I'm Josh. Look forward to seeing you out in the field. Take care.